Welcome to Gateway Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Gateway Church Doncaster in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information about Gateway Church, please visit our website, gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk. Thank you for listening. Before we planted this church here in Doncaster, one of the words that was given to Morwenda and I was that the church would be built on a foundation of prophecy and prayer. Now, we've spent a couple of weeks looking at the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And that's intentional, because I want to see us really reflecting what worship and praise and the life of the early church was like. And so this morning, we're actually going to spend some time looking further at one of those gifts in particular. It's the gift that Paul encourages us to desire above all the others. And he does that, I think, because of the benefit that it brings in building up, in edifying the church. This is what he says in 1 Corinthians 14. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So he says, pursue love. It's a good thing. Chase it. Get hold of it. Earnestly desire all these spiritual gifts I've been teaching you about. But especially that you might prophesy. So this morning, that's what we're going to spend the morning looking at. And once again, some of this is far more practical than I would usually use in my preaching. So forgive me for that. But I want to see us hearing from God, getting that revelation from God week after week in our times of worship and praise. But just something first. In that desire for prophecy, it is important that we don't despise or neglect the other gifts that God gives. And so, to help us in recognising the gifting that God's putting in us, I've given the group leaders a tool, a questionnaire. And sometime over the next couple of weeks, they're going to be spending an evening in the group meeting going through these questionnaires. And the idea is, it helps you to see where God may already be starting to use you. The gifting that he has been putting in you. That you need, as Paul uh, encouraged Timothy, to fan into flame. And I hope that as you do that, you'll find it useful. And I hope you'll be to use it as a tool to encourage one another as well. But what I'd love to see is everybody stepping out more in these areas. So prophecy. What is it? Well, essentially speaking, it's speaking out the words of God under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That's it in its purest essence. That these things often relate to the future. 
that they normally speak into the present situation. For example, when the Old Testament prophets looked at the future, they did it in the light of the situation they were in at the time. They were aware of their context. And what they saw in their prophecy was judgment coming in the future. And so the message that they brought to the people was, you need to change your ways now because judgment is coming. They saw restoration and blessing in the future. And so their message was, prepare for it now. Prepare, because there will be a day when restoration comes, when Israel is a blessed nation. And so we need to look at prophecy in that way as well. Often it relates to something in the future, but has a relevance to the way we act and pursue our lives and our faith today. Now, we also need to recognise that prophecy comes at two different levels. Scripture doesn't give them names, but it's implied in there. I'm just going to call them high and low. It's as good as it gets. (coughs) High level is Scripture. It's what we read from the Old Testament prophets. And the prophecies in the New Testament as well. Because that is in the canon of scripture. That is the authoritative word of God to us. It's in that thing called the canon of scripture. The New New Testament Apostles' Doctrine, that's in scripture as well. It's at the same level as that. It's all part of God's authoritative revelation to us. But then we have this lower level of prophecy. That's where people feel God is speaking to us today. And that needs to be weighed. I'll talk more about how we weigh it later. But don't confuse the two levels. That's dangerous. We must differentiate between the level, the low level prophecy that comes to us as individuals and as a church today and the high level that is included in the canon of scripture. Because low level prophecy can never contradict the canon of scripture. And so we need to take care in our understanding of prophecy as it comes to us today. Because we only get that low level prophecy. The authoritative word of God is complete. The canon of scripture is closed. And unfortunately, all the time, we hear about charismatics who in practice put the two on the same level. And it's dangerous. Because someone brings you a prophecy that actually contradicts what scripture tells us. And that's a dangerous place to go. So prophecies that come today are subject to scripture, they can't overrule it, and they need to be carefully weighed. But what's interesting is it was the prophets themselves who saw the abundance of prophecy as a key to the indication that the age of the Spirit would come. Moses actually expressed it. If you look in Numbers 11.29, he says... 
Oh, would that all God's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit on them. He had that yearning in him to actually see everybody prophesying. And then Joel foretold the widespread prophetic revelation. It's quoted in Acts as well. He said, And it will come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men will see visions, even on male and female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit. That was the promise that we see fulfilled in the account of what happened at Pentecost, recorded in Acts. And yet for some reason, one of the greatest gifts that God has given us is often in danger of being neglected and despised. Partly, through us maybe not being sufficiently open and expectant to hear from God. But also through us not being aware and open to the various ways in which prophecy can come. It can be despised through us not weighing it properly. Or even worse, when we've heard it and weighed it through us not actually acting on it. What is the point of God talking to us if when we've heard it and listened and decided that it was God speaking, that we then ignore it? It's not a new problem. They had the same problem in the church in Thessalonica. In 1 Thessalonians 5 we read, Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good and abstain from every form of evil. They were just as guilty as we are. We're not told how they made that mistake. But the rebuke to them is quite clear. So what do I mean by a New Testament style prophecy. This is a definition a, a writer and church researcher called Peter Wagner gives. The gift of prophecy referred into in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 is the special ability that God gives to members of the body of Christ to receive and communicate an immediate message of God to his gathered people a group among them, or any one of us individually, through a divinely anointed utterance. Yeah? God gives someone a message to pass on to his corporate body, a group of them, or an individual. And it brings with it a sense of the immediacy of God's presence. Because he's speaking to us. And as I've mentioned, it is always consistent with his revealed and completed word, which we call scripture. Now we often use the word prophetic 
or sometimes even profit for someone who's able to see right into the heart of a situation. Someone who's able to give vision. Someone who's able to discern what's going on. Now, Paul says we can all prophesy. But a prophet is someone who characteristically moves in the prophetic gifts. Someone where, who God is using a lot in that area. Who has proven character, proven fruit. And who's able to discern what the Spirit is doing. We also sometimes use the term a prophetic foundation talking about churches. And what we mean by that is a church that is built on prophecy. A church that understands its global purposes in God. A church with vision that's clear about its calling. And as a church has expressed that in both its values and the way it carries out its ministry. A church that's flexible, who's open to the leading of the Spirit. A church that's ready to be a new wineskin, is how the New Testament would put it. And that is the type of church we are called to be. So let's look for a moment at different types of prophecy as they come. The first type we see is strengthening encouragement and comfort. In 1 Corinthians 14, we read, On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. Now in one sense, all prophecy should have that effect. It should strengthen us, it should build us up, and it should bring some element of comfort. But the prophetic isn't limited to those sorts of general words, particularly when it's in a gathering of God's people together. But that's the first type. It's for our strengthening, for our encouragement, it's for our comfort. And then we see in scripture that prophecy can come for an individual. An example of that is Agabus and Paul. You can read about that in Acts 21. And it says this. While we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands. And said, thus says the Holy Spirit. This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Agabus had a specific revelation for a particular individual. It was for Paul. And he acted it out by binding his hands and his feet with his belt. In the same way, in his second letter to Timothy, Paul writes to him, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Ah. 
And there we see a reference actually to the impartation of a gift that Timothy had when the elders laid hands on him. But again, it was, a, it was for an individual. Sometimes the prophetic gift is predictive of some future event. In Acts 11, Agabus foresaw the famine that was going to affect the church. And as a result of that, a collection was taken up so that those could be helped who were going to suffer. You can read about that in Acts 11. And that has set the pattern of giving to those who are in need that's characterised the church through all the centuries, really. And it's even now being copied by the world. It's what charities do. When they see a need, they take a collection. Sometimes prophecies can be directional. In Acts 13, this is what we read. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was also called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, a member of the court of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work I have called them. And then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. There's two things that are worthy of note. First, see the context. This was a leaders' meeting. The leaders were meeting together to pray and fast. And really directional prophecy, something which is about the whole direction and work of the church, should be brought first to leadership rather than just shared openly. But secondly, the weighing process was applied. Because it says, after praying and fasting, they laid hands on them and sent them off. It was not an instant reaction. But it was measured, it was thought through, and it was a response to the Holy Spirit's leading. Prophecy can also bring conviction of sin. In this case, prophecy is often also associated with a word of knowledge. And you can see an example of that in 1 Corinthians 14, where it says, But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all, and the secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Paul's clear that revelation from God can have a profound effect on an unbeliever. Because the secrets of his heart are laid bare. They're spilled out in front of him. And so there's little he can do but accept that God is speaking to him. And then throw himself on God's mercy. And so the word of knowledge is an important weapon in the arsenal, really, of the prophetic armoury. A 
prophetic word can be governmental. Do you understand what I mean by that? Martin's shaking his head. It can dictate how we do things. In Acts 15, there was an important decision that needed to be communicated to the wider church. It was all to do with some false teaching that was being spread at the time by a few believers. And it had started to infiltrate the church, and so they'd had to gather and discuss it and decide what to do. And it was all to do with whether you had to be circumcised to be a believer or not. Now in verse 6 of Acts 15, we're told the apostles and elders were gathered together to consider the matter. But as they did so, they realised that whatever decision they came to was going to have an impact elsewhere. And so what they decided was going to need to be communicated. And so what they decided to do was to send Paul and Barnabas and they would go with some others back to the, the church in Jerusalem. And then in verse 22, you will find they selected Silas and Judas to go with them. And this is what it says. It says, and Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. Now it's interesting, if we had a decision to communicate to another part of the church, maybe because some people from there had been bringing false teaching to us, who would we send? Because what this says is it's the prophets you send. The prophets we used to bring a governmental decision to the wider church. Now I've talked several times about weighing prophecy. So I want us to look at what that means and how we do it in practice. Because scripture encourages us to weigh prophecy. And that doesn't matter whether it's brought to you as an individual or whether it's brought in a corporate meeting. And it's particularly important when we're looking at anything that is directional. That's why I said, if you felt that you heard from God about the church during the week of prayer, can you let me know this morning? Because as a leadership team, we're going to be meeting later in the day, and one of the things we're going to do is be looking at the things that came out of the week of prayer, and weighing them, and considering them, and asking ourselves, is this God speaking to us? And if so, what do we need to do in response to that? So weighing. Scripture says that two or three are to speak. And then we should weigh what is brought. I think that's just a practical issue. If there are a lot of contributions, it is easy to lose track of what the early ones contained. If we had a queue at the front of people wishing to bring things... It would be so easy by the time you got to number 10 to forget what God was saying in number 1. So the practical way of dealing with that is 
Let's have two or three. And then we'll weigh them before we move on to anything else. And if you look at the passage in 1 Corinthians 14, it puts the duty of weighing the prophecy on the others. Different people take a different interpretation of what the others means. I think the context makes it fairly clear. Because it says that two or three of the prophets speak, and then the others are to weigh it. Now, bearing in mind, this was in a context where they would have had a school of the prophets. I can imagine the prophets were sat together in the meeting. And that as the contributions came, they discussed them. Because two or three prophets spoke, and the others weighed it. And if they felt there was some need for correction... If they felt there was something iffy, they'd have brought that. They'd have shared their concerns. Now, we don't have that situation. We don't have a school of the prophets that sit together on a Sunday morning. And none of our groups is big enough to have a school of the prophets that meet in a little corner in case someone brings a prophecy. So we have to recognise that duty of weighing falls on different groups of people. To some extent, on a Sunday morning, it falls on all of us. But it falls particularly on the church leadership to weigh it, and if they feel concerned about what is coming, to actually to say something about that. I have to say, I mean, I've been in charismatic churches since, since I was 16, which is... <coughs> couple of years now and um, I think I can only once remember a correction having been brought in all that time it's not a big problem but nonetheless we should weigh it certainly what I don't think I don't think it is the sole responsibility of the person leading the meeting that's not what scripture teaches it doesn't say Two or three should speak and then whoever is leading the meeting should weigh them. And so you might ask, well why is it that if we have a contribution we come up and mention something to whoever's leading the meeting? Well, certainly I don't know what others do. But when people come up to me, particularly if it's people I know well and I know they hear from God, I'm not particularly concerned about what they're going to bring. It's not for me to stand in the way of God bringing something. All I try and do is try and make sure it comes at the right point in the meeting. And you can ask Morwenna. There's been a couple of times because she often stands with me at the front when I'm leading the meeting. And she'll say, I've got this. And sometimes I'll just say to her, just hold that back for a minute. I think there's something else to come. And I just have this feeling... But there's something else that needs to come first. And then it often happens, doesn't it? Yeah? Could you just clarify something? Are you saying that only three people should come and give? No. No, we'll come on to that. We are not in a situation where we tend to have a queue that goes out the door of people waiting to bring contributions. 
So in practice what we do is you will find whoever is leading the meeting will clarify and bring a summary of what they feel God has been saying through the contributions. And they often do that at the end of a time of worship. Because at that point we've often only had three or four. Yeah? Just because of where we're at. And so what, that's what we do in practice at the moment. We don't have to stop and weigh them. What happens is the weighing process happens during the meeting. And then, like David this morning, or whoever's doing that, will often just say at the end, let's not lose sight of what God's been saying to us this morning. He's been talking to us about this, he's been bringing us revelation about that, and he's been challenging us about this. And in doing that, actually that's part of the weighing process, because it's bringing back to us the emphasis of what God's been saying so that we can make sure we put the correct weight on it in our hearts. Because some of it is down to us individually. Whether you choose to hear something that God says or whether you choose to ignore it is down to you individually. Nothing will change that. But at other times, we will pause the worship. Because if something comes that needs a response there and then, that's what we do. We pause the worship and we encourage people to reflect or to respond to the word that's been brought. And sometimes if there's a challenge, we'll do that. And we'll say, actually, it's not right that we carry on in worship until we've considered this. Let's just listen to what God has just said. And in our hearts, let's respond to that that's just how at the moment we are practically working it out because something I need to be totally clear on is you can't weigh a prophecy before it's given you just can't do it so you have to let people give it because otherwise you can't weigh it do, do you understand where I'm coming from? right so there is always the danger, but that danger is most when you have people you don't know very well amongst you. But someone will bring something that is totally off the wall, that is contrary to scripture, and that you'll need to bring a correction to it. But as I said, I can only remember that happening in a meeting once or twice in 30 years. So it's not a big danger. Individual prophecies. They need to be weighed just like anything that's for the church. In fact, more so. And particularly if they're for people who are vulnerable emotionally at the time. And so what I would say is individual prophecies are best bought in a situation either publicly or at least in a situation where there's a couple of other people around who can help the person weigh it. Don't just go and catch them in a quiet corner and hit them with it. Okay? Alright? Do it in a setting where there is someone else who can help them weigh it. Someone impartial, independent, who can test it and say, is it in line with scripture? 
and, and go through some other things. And I'll talk more about, about that in a moment. So, weighing. The first thing is, you weigh it against scripture. Okay? Modern prophecy should never contradict scripture. If you want to look at that more, um, look at uh, James in Acts 15. Um, also look at 1 John 4, 3. And you can look at Revelation 19, verse 10, if you want to look at that in more detail. But as well as not contradicting scripture, there are questions like, does it honour Christ? If it doesn't honour Christ, I would be very suspicious of it. Does it build up the body of the church? Because scripture tells us that it's there for the, the building up of the church, the edification of Christ's body. If it doesn't do that, we need to be suspicious of it. So if someone brings a prophecy saying, God has given up on the church, I would be very suspicious of that. Because the church is God's plan A. That's what scripture teaches us. And I cannot find anywhere in scripture a plan B. So the church is God's agent for the salvation of mankind. So weigh it against scripture. But then test the spirit behind it as well. What I mean by that is what, where has this come from? Has it got a human element to it? Is it just someone sharing a good idea, but to give it more impact, saying, I think God said? Is it just a nice message? Does it actually have something demonic about it? Or does it come with a ring about it that just smacks of the sort of thing that God says? Is it divine in its origin? And discernment of spirits is great there. Does it bring condemnation or conviction? You know, condemnation is never of God. But conviction is. Conviction says to you, look, you've got some sin in your life. You really need to get it sorted. Now's the time. Why don't we sort it out? Condemnation says, you're worthless. What a pitiful creature you are. You can't get anything right. You might as well give up now. That's not what God says. God gives you a fresh chance time and time and time again. He never condemns. Although he will bring conviction to you. If it's predictive, does anything confirm it? Have there been other prophecies over time of a similar nature? Is there a word of knowledge involved? And with predictive prophecies, there's one word that you need to listen out for carefully. 
It's the word if. If. Because it makes it conditional on something. God's quite used to using conditions. You can read it all through the Old Testament. The greatest one of all is the promise of revival. He says, if my people, if my people will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will bear my heaven and reach down and heal your nation. But if we don't do the if, the promise falls flat. Listen for the word if. And recognise something. Even the most, even the people who have the most remarkable insights at times can get it wrong. We're not infallible. None of us are. And so it doesn't matter who brings the prophecy to you. It needs weighing. Directional prophecies really need to be weighed by leaders. And they shouldn't be the sole basis of guidance. They should be an exceptional means of guidance. What I mean by that is that generally what we should be doing is following the principles of what God's revealed word says to us is right and wrong. And then from time to time, as an exception, get a blinding revelation from God. We shouldn't be relying on the blinding revelations. We should be basing our life on his revealed will. So how do we move in prophecy and words of knowledge? First of all, you need to have faith for impartation and faith for an abundance. We need to believe that prophecy should be as much a natural consequence of us coming in worship and praise as being baptised in the Holy Spirit gives tongues. And so... Seek to get alongside those who you know move in the prophetic gifts. Have an encouraging attitude towards others. Learn to speak out words of encouragement and edification. Learn to speak out words that comfort people. Because as you do that, what you will find is God will begin to add insight into the words that you are speaking out yourself. There's nothing wrong with just encouraging someone. Even if as you do it, nothing prophetic comes, you would have encouraged them. It's one of those things we are told to do to one another. But as you do it, God will start to use you in terms of timing and message. Recognise how you hear from God. Do you hear from him through pictures? Do you see images in your mind? If so, start to share them. Even if you don't understand what they mean. Ask God what it means. But if not, share it anyway. Do you get pains in part of your body when you think of certain people? 
That particularly goes alongside words of knowledge or healing ministry. Do you see words written over people? I know from time to time, I've seen people and it's like they've got a word tattooed on their forehead. And then as you share it with them, they say, oh yeah, wow. Did something in a scripture or a song that we've just had shared or sung, did it really stand out? Did it feel like God was speaking to you? Did you get floods of thoughts? Did you get impressions? Did a person suddenly get put on your mind? If so, careful, don't stare at them. Okay? And also, oh, there's no one here that fits in this category. But make sure it's not just that you fancy them. All right? Because people, funny enough, when you fancy someone, they often spring to mind. Right? Learn to differentiate between fancying someone okay, and God putting them on your mind. I appreciate there isn't anyone here I don't think that would apply to. Well, well I'll leave that there. Um, <laughs> do you get visions and dreams? Okay. You know, visions are a bit more than an extended picture. They're a bit like having a dream when you're awake. Dreams are usually particularly vivid and they're obviously ones that you remember. And you know, Joseph had one. Mary's husband, Joseph, had one. And it gave them direction about what they were to do. Sometimes they're set in the future. You know, Joseph in Genesis, that Joseph... He had one set in the future. And so we need to learn how to share those in appropriate circumstances so they can be weighed. The question people ask is, how do I know it's not just me? How do I know it's not just me having a bright idea? Okay, the first question is, are you someone who expects God to speak to you? If you are, take a positive attitude to what you hear. That's the first step. Because often the enemy will put south, you know, doubt in your mind. He'll, he'll get you to doubt it. And that's why you end up saying, oh, is this just me? Particularly when you first start bringing prophecies, you will know it's not just you. Because the longer you try and resist bringing it, you will find all sorts of funny little things start to happen. You will get palpitations, you will get sweats, you will get that feeling of, well, like you've had too much caffeine, if I'm honest, uh, that you just, you just, you know, you've got to, I've got to go and share it, because if I stand here any longer feeling like this, I'm going to fall over. And you will start to recognise that. And as you start to recognise it, hopefully you don't have to wait for all the sensations before you, you go to the front. But if you've got doubts, ask God for confirmation. It might be that a song will then come up that confirms what you were feeling. It might be someone else will pray it. Ask God to keep bringing clarity to your mind. And just continue in worship. And if someone else then brings the word you were just about to, come and share it anyway. Even if all you say is, actually I was sat there and I was feeling that on my heart as well, um, but they beat me to it. Because what it does is it confirms that that is what God is wanting to speak to us about. 
start with what you've received. If he only gives you something small to start with, bring it anyway. And then, don't try and add anything. There's nothing wrong with coming up the front and saying, God's given me a picture. I've got no idea what it means. Because the person it's for will know exactly what it means. Another thing that brings openness in this is being open to correction, being accountable. Scripture tells us we prophesy in part. What that means is parts of what we bring will be right. The other side of that coin is that parts of what we bring won't be. We need encouragement, but also we need correction. Because that's how we learn to distinguish between what we're hearing correctly and what we're not. You know, Jesus said a lot about men under authority. There's some things I just want to finish with, which are some things that we should avoid. Okay, It's not good to bring prophecies to someone you're emotionally involved with. Okay, Just give it to them as advice. It's not good to bring prophecy to people who are emotionally vulnerable unless there are safeguards in place. And if you feel that you've got a prophecy for someone that you know is vulnerable, then I would suggest you talk to one of the leaders so that we can make sure it is shared in a safe and, uh, and useful way. Don't bring prophecy instead of opinion. You know, some super spiritual people tend to do this. They have an opinion, but they don't think anyone will listen to them. So they say, lust says the Lord. And then they give their opinion. Do you know what? That carries no more weight. If you have an opinion, share it as an opinion. Give it as advice, give it as an encouragement, but don't make it prophecy. Try and avoid bringing prophecies when you want to alter the situation. Because that is called manipulation. Don't bring prophecies about a particular burden that you know people hold. Instead, express the burden. I remember when we were in Bedford, I got asked to look after a little group of ladies who were praying fervently for revival amongst the children. And it got quite unhealthy. Because what happened was they knew they all shared this burden. There was nothing wrong with that. They wanted to meet together and pray. There was nothing wrong with that. But they started prophesying over one another things which were in keeping with what they knew they wanted to happen and it all got bizarre really because they weren't weighing they weren't doing that they were just bringing these prophecies over one another be careful with time predictions 
Okay. There's this thing called prophetic foreshortening. When you look at the prophets, what you will find is they saw things that were going to happen in the future as if they were going to happen today. Okay? Sometimes you don't get the true perspective of time scales when prophecy is concerned. And one final thing. I'm uh, very wary. In fact, I want to rule them out because I think they're unhelpful. Let's not have any prophecies about hatch, match or dispatch. Okay? Because prophecies about who people should marry, I think they're very dodgy. Prophecies about people conceiving can cause horrendous problems emotionally if people are having trouble. And prophecies about people dying are more like a curse. So let's not have them. Okay? If you really genuinely feel you get one of those, share it with the leadership. Don't share it with anyone else. So when you think you've received something, weigh it with others. Wait for confirmation if you need to. Seek advice about the interpretation or application. Be careful about the timing. Remember this thing called prophetic foreshortening, where you can, things can feel more immediate than they really are. Start preparation and training if that's going to be needed. Don't expect to move straight away into an area that, that the prophecy has promised. But hold it in your heart. Pray about it. Let God speak to you more about it. Because we want lots of Isaacs but not any Ishmaels. Do you understand what I mean? We don't want people trying to make things happen themselves. You need to let God guide it and do it in God's timing.